Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. All right. Let's get started. Our guest today comes to us from the Pacific Northwest. She intercedes for and ministers to the abused, the lonely, the hurting, and the discarded as they go through what seem like impossible situations. And then she also walks alongside and encourages others to seek Christ, to press into Him, and to share with others. And she and her husband have also been doing some interesting things. They've found some interesting ways to weave their ministry and business together. But we'll get into that a little bit further along in this time as we talk with Renee Rivera. Renee, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you, Brian. (laughs) So as we're getting to know you, and as I was preparing for this today, I I was just, I was feeling like the the way I'd like to start off is just hearing about the, the thumbnail sketch of how you came to Christ. Can you share that with us? How I came to Christ, thumbnail sketch. I'm, I'm sorry, that wasn't in the materials I sent to you, so if I'm throwing you <laughs> off your game, I, I apologize. No, that's okay. Um, when I used to tell the story, I used to use just a couple words, and it was I went from a religion to a relationship, but a friend um, showed me how to connect better to my story, and it was, where was he um, in the hard times? And mm-hmm. what was the difference that he made and, and what was life like after I met him. So before I met Christ, I was I was hopeless. I was discarded. I was abused um, sexually. And I thought I had no value, no, no purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I equated my value to that of a prostitute. I, was, I felt like I was owned by someone else. But I was introduced to Christ. <laughs> I was actually going to Campus Life meeting mm-hmm. in high school. I think I was about 15. And this guy kept talking about Jesus in a whole different way than what I'd ever heard about him. And I was intrigued. So I bugged him about it. I'm like, you need to tell me just a little bit more, please. <laughs> and that's where he shared with me the difference of just following rules and just attending church and trying to be good enough um, to learning that there is a Jesus, a man that actually respects me, loves me, considers me for just who I am, not what I can give him. Um, I wanted that. So that day I gave my life to Christ and said, take charge and give me hope and bring me joy. Um, and that exactly is what he did. <laughs> um, so that's my meeting of him. We'll just say that. <laughs> is, is there a, a meaningful quote or maybe a scripture that's kind of served as the foundation for how you approach ministry and the, the foundation for your life? Uh, yeah. Um, there is a very strong one now. It's called Be Still and Know That I'm God. I, I can easily be the busybody and make my own plans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's super hard, isn't it? To to yeah. be still, especially when it seems like everything in your life is swirling around you. Absolutely. <laughs> or you think you know the plan that God has for you when he calls you to missions. You just run with it and realize he's telling you to be still and wait and listen. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, the bio information that you sent to me says it refers to you and your husband as urban missionaries. Can you share with us kind of what a, a picture of what that looks like in your lives? Yes, I'll do my best. It started out with, should it connect to the be still and know that I'm God? Or No, or? no, it doesn't have to. Okay. I, and I, um, I apologize if this seems a little disjunct. It wasn't my intention to do that. Um, no, it just, okay. okay. No, we're fabulous. Well, um, 
Well, I'll just tell a little bit of our story. God actually called us from Chicago. We were church planters in Chicago, um, inner city. And at the time, we didn't consider ourselves urban missionaries. We were just church planters. You know, we lived far away from where we served and would just drive in when it was time to do ministry. Um, God laid it on us, our heart that we were supposed to be moving to Seattle and specifically said it was time for us to be missionaries and to live missionally and live where we were called. And so... Um, we obeyed the call. We moved to Seattle, and I thought <laughs> uh, ministry as an urban missionary meant I could bop everybody over the head and bring them to Jesus uh, <laughs> because I had a heart for evangelism. And that's where the be still and know that I'm God came into the picture where he shut me down, and I call it shut me up, um, and showed me what his plan was as an urban missionary. What he did was pull us up pull me from a skate park our first call was to um an inner city skate park here in seattle woodland skate park actually for those that are out in this area um i thought i was actually going to be able to completely walk up to the homeless and you know the, the bikers the riders and just start bringing jesus to them and bring them hope and Instead, God called me up a hill. I was kind of angry because I thought I was called to the people, not a dirty hill. And uh, up on that hill was a log, and he told me to circle it. And I was just, I was irritated and I was mad at God, but I knew he had a reason. I had to obey him no matter what he asked me to do. And that was the first thing he asked me to do was go up this stupid hill and circle this ugly log. And as I circled the log the very first day, the song that he actually had me just kind of pray in my mind, and it was, we are standing on holy ground, and we know that there are angels standing all around. And I just kept repeating that as I circled this ugly log, <laughs> and I didn't understand. Um, and so God made me do that for a few months. We went to that skate park for several months, actually. Hmm. Uh, a whole year we lived there before he pulled us into the apartment ministry. Um, but as I circled that log, he started having me pay attention um, and observe. And he told me to look. And I started looking at the environment that I was treading, walking around, and mm. I was seeing condoms, dime bags, mm. clothes thrown in the bushes, um, broken glasses of you know, vodka, alcohol, you name it, you know, the, the cans that were crushed and just pill bottles that were empty. And he broke my heart for the bondage that was in that territory we were in at the time. And then he started having me watch the people from up above because this was a hill that overlooked the skate park. Um, then he started just having me observe the people. And then he started pointing out to me who the drug dealers were. It was the weirdest thing because I was never taught that. Hmm. He was just pointing those kind of things out. And then uh, in hindsight, I now know he what he was doing was honing me for intercession for a territory. I didn't understand it at the time. <laughs> um, but then he took us down, took me down from that hill and allowed me to start ministering to the people. But he would tell me exactly who to go to, and he would open up amazing doors. A woman that was cutting for 45 years, we were able to help her out of bondage of that. Um, just an example, somebody that broke his shoulder in the bowl, which is a really deep, it's like a swimming pool where they do all their mm -hmm. tricks and stuff. Um broke his shoulder and one of our partners prayed with him and um before calling the ems and a guy standing beside him says i'll, I'll pray with him too and prayed and um the guy was healed on the spot and immediately one of the guys said well if you ever start a church i'm there and so we started a skate church wow. <laughs> and it was just us with the skaters you know um but that's where it started. And the way my husband did ministry, he loves photography. So he would get on the ground and shoot pictures while the guys or even the little kids would do their tricks, no matter how big or small. And those that love to do the aerial tricks, Eddie would lay on the ground and just shoot pictures up. And then immediately he would email um, what they did to them. And that's how he made the connection at the park with, with the guys and gals. So that's where it started. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. You know, in uh, 
70 some interviews now this is probably the first time i've had somebody share a specific story like this where god called them in such a specific way and as you're sharing this i'm thinking of the old testament prophets and all of the crazy things god would have them do and it's just it's amazing to hear that but but also for you as as the listener if God is, if you know God's voice and you feel like he's calling you to do something crazy, not something unbiblical, but something that seems a little off the wall, yeah. maybe you're connecting with Renee's story right here, because I got to be honest, if God had told me to climb up a hill and circle a log, we probably would have had a long conversation about it. And thankfully, yeah. <laughs> thankfully he had an obedient servant there to do that because, yes. because it's clear that he had something to do, to, to do that. So Renee, <laughs> thanks for sharing that story. Yeah. I, I, with that, I'd kind of like to shift a little bit to the other end of the spectrum though because just like we have these moments of revelation and you shared some of that there are also significant challenges especially as we start to try and follow christ and to take action on what he's doing with us would you mind sharing a time in your life when you've faced a significant challenge and then also share what god did in that time yeah um it actually started at the skate park and continued uh in our current context of the apartment community um One day, (laughs) out of the blue, um, we were able to get a donation of popcorn. I had my son carry that from a, this is probably the part you cut, but um, I just walked into a theater one day and just asked if they would ever donate popcorn to skaters and homeless people. And they liked the idea and immediately said, when you want it, how much you want. And I said, give me some garbage bags. We showed up and they gave us two great big, like, 50-gallon, 30-gallon, whatever. Yeah. Bags of fresh pop popcorn. We showed it at the skate park. And that day, there were um, kids that we'd never met. And one boy kept coming up and getting refills. And I kept telling him, hey, guy, um, you need to go get your parents. And he's like, no, 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 my staff are here. And I thought he was with the Cub Scouts or something. And finally, I'm like, dude, you need to introduce me because I think you're going to get sick. You eat anymore, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> And went up to who the staff was, found out that he was part of a boys' home, a behavioral boys' home. And I came back to my one son and said, hey, this kid, they said maybe we could go to their home and volunteer. And my son out of the blue says, why don't you adopt them? Mm. What? Um, Talked to my husband as we're driving home that day. He's like, we'll never do that. Um, I get home and my older son gets home from work and asks about the skate park, how things were going. And... um, told him and his response was why don't you just adopt the kid why volunteer for him we never talked adoption so i had a meeting with god as i was bawling and he affirmed all the things that he was showing us that we were supposed to pursue this child Hmm. and adopt him i thought that was another crazy (laughs) so presented it to my husband the next day he said he'd pray about it um the next day he said okay if this is what we're supposed to be obedient to. Let's see if he's even adoptable. Made the phone calls, got the connections. They tried to scare us away because he was high maintenance, um, fetal alcohol, high traumas, you name it. They hmm. tried to keep us from pursuing, and we knew we were supposed to pursue. So speed it forward. It took probably about six or nine months to place him in our home because he had to re-rehab to get into our home hmm. because of he was in about 10 other homes before us. Um life excuse my language stunk with him it took my husband i and our two teenage sons to raise him every day we got notes home from his school he was in a special classroom um it got to the point where he was trying to kill the child he assaulted his teachers i was assaulted um he was just kind of like, uh, I don't know, Wiley e. Coyote or whatever. The kid that would, when he would get angry, would just want to spin and destroy. So I thought one time I'd get in the middle of him in our back patio door, um, which is all glass, and keep him from kicking it and busting it open. And, of course, I got bruised from it. So I got a hard heart. I protected part of my heart. Friends and family started approaching us. This was the hard part, telling us, You need to give them that. Hmm. And that was hard to hear because we heard from God pursue this kid for adoption. We knew he was difficult. When we took him out of his boy's home, the staff then told us how difficult he was, the worst one that ever came through the program. Uh, We're like, great, things are doing us now. But we were, (laughs) you know, we had to obey. 
God didn't give us different marching orders, so we had to obey. But it was hard to be taken out by friends, and, and their whole purpose was to say, give it up. Walk a different direction. Yeah. I didn't expect to cry. Um, so I was desperate because I heard from God, but nobody else thought it was a wise cho- choice to continue. Mm-hmm. But we had to obey in because God didn't say otherwise. So where God met me was in a traffic jam, <laughs> um, driving to pick up supplies for this child. He would chew holes in his clothes every week. So we had a ministry that would give us clothes. And praise God for all the uh, sources that are out there for foster parents and adoptive families because they really helped us out. He went through quite a bit. But anyway. So I was on my way to one of these appointments, and I just I started crying out to God, God, you, are, you know our back is against the wall. You know how much time it's taking us to parent this kid. You know how worn out we are, and you know what everyone else is seeing. Um, and it counters what you've said to us. So I just, I need to hear from you directly. Do we give him back, or do we move forward? And he showed up. <laughs> uh, it was beautiful. I um, cried, grieved, gave it to God. And in the traffic jam, I, I put on a CD of, of, of scripture. And immediately, I don't even remember what the scripture was, but the scripture was talking about who God was. And what God was saying to me was, Renee, you need to love him unconditionally. And you haven't been doing that because I, you know, I guarded my heart after he had assaulted me. And so I had to repent in the car and recommit to Christ um, and say, okay, so you're saying we need to continue. And oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, So he answered me audibly through scripture. Hmm. And he reminded me that he is a God that's always faithful is never failing and his love is unconditional and this child deserved that so i came home and shared it with eddie and we knew our marching orders we were given new ones and and renewed ones Hmm. per se and we loved on this kid the next three months were bliss so yeah so good. Yeah. So I was at the point where I was going to kind of move us on to the next section. But as you were sharing that, I'm just thinking in my mind, and I'd, I'd like for you to share with us maybe a little bit of how do you love a child unconditionally when you've been assaulted, when all these things have happened and when you were about ready to give up? How do you do that? How do you do that? You learn to give your fear and your irritations to Christ. And it's a waking up of a recommitment to it because most, I'm not talking just from my own experience, but most families that deal with difficult behavioral kids in this situation, um, they wake up and say, I want to do this. (laughs) Mm. Um, It is a constant recommitment to not do it in your own strength, but in his, in Christ's. And he will give you that. He will give you the peace. He will give you everything that you are lacking because it's it, it's very consuming to only focus on the behavior because it is so potent. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I hope that that answers that question. Oh, I think it's great. I just I, I appreciate you sharing that because I, I I know that there are people out there in similar situations that are maybe struggling with how to do that. So yeah. I, I do appreciate that. We're, mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We've been focused on connecting with you and your story. When we come back, we're going to shift our focus more to the ministry that you and your husband have right now. Okay. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. Hi, this is Scott McClellan with your Leadership Minute. I want to start off here with a quote from Henry Nowen. You may be familiar with him. Uh, Henry Nowen said, Somewhere we have come to believe that good leadership requires a safe distance from those we are called to lead. I think Henry hit it, the nail on the head there uh, in calling something out that is a recurrent problem uh, 
uh, when it comes to influence. I myself think that this ex- idea is a bad one. Maintaining a safe distance in relationships sort of ensures that we won't have much of a real impact on each other. Uh, though it is a bad idea, it's well entrenched in Christian and church culture, in my view. Does this come from our fear on the part of leaders? Uh, are we afraid to get close to those we're influencing? Uh, maybe as leaders, we're afraid of ourselves uh, because we don't want to be hurtful to anyone, and we feel like if people get close, we are more likely to hurt them. Maybe they're going to see us as we are. Or perhaps we're prideful, and because of this, we're aloof, or just insecure and don't want anyone to get close and recognize our insecurities, especially if we're in principal responsibilities. Seems like a bad idea to share our weaknesses with other people. Whatever the reason is for this prevailing reality, I want to call for us to tear that down. I think it's time we're real and genuine and transparent with each other. Now, I realize transparency is a product of trust, and trust takes time to develop. So you can't be fully transparent with everyone, especially if you don't even know them. That's no excuse, though. What we should do is take time, develop trust, and abandon the idea of keeping a safe distance from each other, whether we are on the part of influencer or influenced. I think this is something that Jesus modeled for us, vulnerability. Thanks for taking a moment for the Leadership Minute. I'm Scott McClelland. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com or on most social media channels at fxmissions. Have a good one. This has been the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. If you have a leadership question, send it to feedback at engagingmissions.com. That's feedback at engagingmissions.com. All right, we're back with Renee Rivera. We just finished up talking about her, getting to know her a little bit. And she shared some really powerful stories about the things that God has done in her life. But now we're going to shift our focus and focus more on the ministry that she and her husband have. Now, Renee, as we were talking before this call, you mentioned that one of the things that's really exciting you is the transformation you see in people's lives and that there was somebody whose story you can actually share. Would you mind just going ahead and frame up the story for us? Let us know who you're talking about and then share share what's going on. What was exciting is she gave me permission to share. Yeah. Gave me permission to share her name even. So um, God gets the glory and she also gets... Um, the credit for this. I get none. I just get the, um, the joy of being front and center, uh, witnessing what God's been doing in her life. It's exciting. Um, actually met her almost, almost three years ago, um, through a girls group that we had started here in our apartment community. Uh, we called it diva club. Hmm. Um, yeah, (laughs) that's a whole nother story. Started out to be (laughs) about modesty and it drew not only our teenagers that it was intended for, but it drew women up to the age of 80. And so we had the teenagers mixed with the adults and she was one of them that was invited by a woman in her seventies. Um, she came and then she left. And when she left, we discovered that um, she was a madam. So, yeah, previous walk was, um, how can I even start the story? It's good. So with a boyfriend that said, we need money. You need to go out and do some tricks so we have money. And so she did. We need money. So go sell these drugs. So she did. Um, She got out of that relationship, got connected with another person who saw her giftings and decided to turn her into an entrepreneur. Um, And she became, instead of a prostitute, um, 
for a boyfriend and then working the street she then kind of partnered with the gentleman and became a madam so with that she was handpicking girls telling the younger ones they were too young to be in this kind of business so she was protective praise god um for the younger ones but then the older ones she was prepping for vegas and other things and um that was her walk, manipulation, prostitution, madaming, um, still moving some drugs, work in the casino scene um, floors. So she calls me one night. This was actually two years ago, July 4th, about mm, 2 a.m. She calls me, maybe a little bit before that she called me, and I had to ask God if I was supposed to return her phone call. God did not give me permission until 2.30 to call her back in the morning. I needed to make sure I was not making a phone call and just enabling her in whatever she was, you know, maybe trying to do. I wasn't about that. Um, So God gave me great discernment. It was time to call her. I did. And um, she's crying on the phone. She says, I'm done. I said, what are you done with? I'm done with it. I said, you need to tell me what you're done with. And she says, I'm, I'm done with my Johns. I'm done with these names. I'm done doing tricks. I'm done. And I said, so what are you going to do about it? And she said she started throwing away her music, started throwing away uh, her black book. She, you know, had a business going. Um, she then deleted phone numbers out of her phone. I said, okay, what else are you going to do? Because these people know where you are. They know what you're going to, you know, what you're about. They're going to pursue you. They're going to find you. Um, she says, well, I need to get right with God. I said, bingo, girlfriend. So that night, she actually recommitted her life to Christ, um, left that walk. Praise God. <laughs> so that was a great Fourth uh, of July celebration. And I began a very strong mentoring with her. It was almost daily that we were in communication, either face-to-face or on the phone. And we started getting her plugged into programs that she needed to be involved in. Then we found out that she's pregnant mm. by one of her last three tricks. Wasn't sure who the daddy was. Um, so I referred her to more programs and um, you know, took her to a few. She had to be responsible to get herself there. I was not going to do any sort of enabling. She had to... Um, she had to do this on hers and God's strength, not mine. She was serious. And so she got connected to uh, an agency for adoption. She had actually prayed. And she started listening to God. And he told her he didn't feel like she was in a position that she could take care of a child when it was hard for her to take care of her own health. So she heard him well. And came to me and our diva club and shared with us, we grieved because we were looking forward to a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, she, you know, she obeyed. So we, we sent her to an adoption agency and they told her, well, we're not sure because this baby is mixed. Um, and it's going to be really hard to find a, a family because of the mixture. I was livid, went to the Lord. Right again. (laughs) And he actually led myself to call three friends. Then one friend was actually at the beginning stages of starting her own ministry of finding adoptive families for children one at a time. So we basically advocated as her agency for free. And we found lawyers. We found, um, we started spreading the word to Christian families. And then we started working with Elika for her to make the whole list of exactly what kind of environment she wanted to put her baby in. And we, we screened them. We screened very tightly, every family. And my friend said, we need to find at least 12 families to show her child their value because no one else has been showing her that. She needs to know that they are valued. Hmm. And we found 11 families throughout the U.S. and walked her through the process of choosing. And within 20 minutes, she knew who the family was, had the baby three months early, family moved to Washington State, baby had to be in um, the NICU for three months, and so she and the family, the adoptive family, grew a relationship, and together they cared for the baby every day, 
and then three months later, the baby moved with her new family, and there's still a relationship, there's still a friendship, and there is a uh, a common bond because of Christ between the two of them, and the, the husband and the child. Um, so it's a beautiful family that she could have not dreamed up to be so good. Wow. <laughs> God met the need. Now, my girlfriend is, um, she's now what I call my Timothy. Um, I have been working with her, discipling her, finding out what her passions are. She goes on the bus and she can immediately, she recognizes pimps. She recognizes people that are on drugs. She knows what to look for because she's been on the streets for so long. Um, she'll be reading her Bible and somebody will just say, hey, read that to me, just out of the blue. So she's, She's ministering on the bus and on the streets, and it's amazing. Um, it's ridiculous how great God is using her. And now she's in my neighborhood doing things that I don't have time for um, because I'm continually training others, and Eddie and I are. So I've asked her to come in and see if she'd be willing to love on some of the disabled here. And that's exactly what she does. She comes in several times a week and she just visits them and is their friend. And she steers with them. She shares stories of Christ with them, but also is ministering to their caretakers. So God's using her big time. Now she's working on a resource list because she said she knows so many places and ways to connect folks that I challenged her to start making a resource list so that every time somebody comes, she could then direct quickly um, places. So that's a little bit about why I'm so excited about her. <laughs> well, that's great. I, that's that's a, a wonderful way to kick off this section. As I was thinking about your ministry and you and your husband also are bivocational, would you mind sharing with us a little bit of how you've been able to intertwine the business and the ministry and all of that into kind of one relatively cohesive whole? Yes. Um, My husband works uh, almost full-time at an optical lab. So that is the full-time work that he does. And then together we do two (laughs) part-timers. Um, and the part-time is the, um, uh, we are apartment event directors. And the great thing is it's a nonprofit. And uh, we have the joy together of serving 70 hours a month. We get to live on site and then basically create parties, a party a week. <laughs> um, or um, affinity groups, such as a crafting group or, you know, men's game night. Um, yeah, or like a, a a movie movie marathon of certain kind of guy picture or movies and stuff like that. Anyway, so we get to host events, and that allows us to be meeting a lot of the residents here. Yeah. We have twenty seven hundred residents in our apartment complex. We're the second biggest in Washington. Wow. Um, so the events afford us the ability to meet people. Um, And then when we're not on the clock doing events, well, let me back up. When we're doing events, we're building relationships amongst residents so that they feel like there's more of a community. And so they feel like there's more of a a neighborhood going on instead of just, I'm in this apartment, I'll move to the next one when I find the cheaper one in a year. Mm -hmm. We're helping build the retention here um, with our leasing staff. So that is a service that we bring to the apartment community, the management community. Um, but the other service is the relational piece and the party piece. But the big thing that we enjoy most is the relational. We get to meet somebody at an event, but then outside of it, we're seeing them at the mailbox. We're seeing them paying their rent in the front office. We get to see them walking their dog. We know when the kids are getting off the bus and what time or if they're walking to the school down the street. Um we're able to do life with our neighbors and we get to make more touch points in our personal time with them. So we're inviting neighbors over to dinner or going out to dinner with us or just sitting on the lawn and talking or just meeting at the mailbox. And when we're doing these touch points, we're actually able to just find out more about life with them at the events. It's serving food, you know, and hosting a party. But when it's on the street, or just walking to the pool or whatever, it's, we can ask whatever we want. And what's beautiful is God continues to bring people that are hurt, that have backgrounds like ours, and we immediately can make a connection. Um, 
it's great to just be a good listener because God points out things left and right. And we're, we're quite quickly able to connect them then to Christ that way. Um, and that's exactly what we do. Once we build trust with our neighbors, we ask opportunities to share our story with them and then sharing Christ's story with them. And usually it's on the street just saying, so what's your source of getting through this? And that's where we are able to share what our source is, which is Christ, mm-hmm. um, and, and make that connection that way. The, the third business, quote-unquote, that we do is also with this ministry they've asked us to come in and be uh, on their leadership team so we um we actually coach i think six teams now that are in the the south puget sound area um who are also placed in apartment complexes similar to ours and that are also living missionally so we coach them in what they're doing we've been doing this for five years and they're all newbies, you know, a year or less. And so we have that ability to just coach and encourage them and and how to do the business part of it as well as the relational and the ministry. We came here as Field USA missionaries, though. That is the the ministry that umbrellas everything for us. Um, They are our support network of how we practice what we do. When I have issues, that's who gets emailed in a phone call. <laughs> they are they are a team of people that mentor Eddie and I um, and help grow us to who Christ has called us to be. So, well, It sounds like you guys have almost nothing going on. Is that... <laughs> Actually, as you're... Oh, go ahead. No, I just... I love how it all works together. You know, we came came to town as just Field USA or missionaries, not even knowing how we were going to connect um, with other ministries, but then to be able to connect with this apartment ministry, live on site, you know, and get to have the inroads to the, you know, the, the apartment industry, mm-hmm. as well as permission to know who the newbies are that move into the neighborhood. I mean, it's a beautiful opportunity. Um to be able to work in, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I know that you guys do this and then you mentor or are coaching six other couples that are doing this as well. What's the, what's the biggest challenge that people in this position tend to run into? The biggest challenge? Um, hmm, I would like to say the people. <laughs> are a ministry but people could also be our paid <laughs> learning <laughs> boundaries um learning boundaries with people uh, okay. because people get to know you well know your door knock on your door call you at least that's what we found we had to learn to set boundaries so that we could still have family time and not 24 7 always catering to the need um uh, our couples are actually doing very well at that um, I think when you step into this position, you have to make a choice to also step down from a career. Mm-hmm. Um, so most couples, there's only one person working and the other spouse is full time doing this um, or chooses to be the stay at home parent so that they can really focus on this more as the, the duo. Um, so there's a sacrifice that is made by all of our couples to pull this off we actually don't take couples that both work full-time because they're not able to give the time right they're drawn in different ways so yeah yeah no kidding yeah with that we are going to go ahead and draw this section to a close i feel like i could continue talking for hours and hours and hours but we don't have that much time tonight uh when we come back we'll be shifting our focus one last time to the listener we'll be drawing from your experience and your wisdom to help provide resources and insight for the people who are listening do you know a ministry leader church planter or a missionary who you believe would be a great guest for our show why not let me know about them I rely on you and my former guests to help me find missionaries and ministers who are rock-solid in what they do and how they approach ministry. I'm not necessarily looking for the proverbial rock star. Many of my guests have done things that might seem amazing, and others are heroes of the faith simply because of their faithful obedience. But all of them have one thing in common. Jesus is the absolute center of what they do and why they do it. If you know somebody who fits the bill, let me know. 
Send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com and let me know who they are and how I can reach out to them. And be sure to let them know that I'll be reaching out to them as well. Again, that's feedback at engagingmissions.com. All right, we are back with Renee Rivera. We just finished up talking about the ministry that she and her husband have and all of the ways that that's kind of played out in their business and in the ministry itself. Now we're going to shift our focus to you as the listener. Now, ordinarily, I don't ask questions about stories in this section, but I think there's something we're going to want to hear. Renee, you mentioned before we started, um, before this interview, that one of the greatest gifts that you've learned to receive is intercession by others on your behalf. Is there a specific story that you can share about that? There are many stories. Um, The biggest reason why I wrote that is because the coverage of prayer has actually put Satan at bay in this neighborhood. We come up against spiritual warfare like nobody's business. We come up against it so much, too, where I have asked people to pray when somebody has announced, I'm bringing over a girl that's worshiping Satan tomorrow. (laughs) So I will send out an email and get people on praying. And the person came to Christ and we were able to get rid of those demons. Um, But the story I'd really like to share, if it's okay, um, uh, it actually has to do with my eyes. Um, It started, I joke and say it was a wedding gift. I woke up one day and I was blind in one eye. Um, wasn't my whole life. And, um, we had moved to Chicago from Indiana and my eyes began failing even worse to the point of, I became blind, um, went blind for a week while I was going through this time of my sight depleting. Um, so friends at the church gathered around me and prayed. And I, at the time, didn't connect it to my sight regaining, but I believe it was the prayer of the saints that uh, helped my left eye come restored. Um, Since then, fast forward 25 years, um, the last couple of months, my eyes have been failing again to the point of uh, feeling like I'm on the the road to blindness. been seeing a specialist and uh, he can't give me answers still I still stump the doctors after 25 years they still can't see exactly what I have <laughs> um, but to the point of I was getting very frustrated um, if you can imagine uh, God is so good because he uses my frustration in my disability to help me identify it with others in my neighborhood so there's always a glory that's brought out of my pain um, But it stunk. It has stunk to face the fact that I thought I was going blind again, um, where I was getting up in the morning and I literally only had about 15 minutes of eye time. And then it would start getting blurry, ugly, cloudy, um, just like my eyelashes. It felt like eyelashes were just closing in. And... I couldn't tell if it was spiritual or physical. Most of the time I can tell that when I'm with other people, but I wasn't sure about myself. And I went to a retreat that we had hosted, Field USA retreat, um, just a couple weeks ago. And um, one of the guys said, we need to pray for Renee because her eyes are failing. And I thought, nah. Um, there's so many other people in this room that need this prayer. I had this thinking that there's only one healing ticket out there at the time. So I was doubtful. I'll be honest. Um, I was not valuing myself at the moment either. Um, I wanted the, the healing for others in the room that I knew were dealing with cancer and other things. And anyway, they put me on the hot seat <laughs> and just um, they stopped the conference just to pray over my eyes. And I was humbled. Nothing happened, though. Uh, That was a weekend retreat. I came home, and the next Monday that I started working, I went more than 15 minutes. I actually went the whole day being able to read emails, (laughs) actually pick up my Bible and read it. The month before, I had switched to large print reading. I had switched to everything audio. 
Um, I'm leading a women's group uh, for, uh, what is that, Boundaries book, and I had to turn everything into audio so I could prepare for the class. I had to ask the girls in the class to do the reading for me. Um, So girlfriend here was really on the line of some blindness, literally. And they prayed for me, and the next week, I was stable. I, I still have low vision, but and I'm still blind in the right eye. My eye is always dilated. I hate the sun, yet I love it. <laughs> we have a love-hate relationship because it's always dilated. Um, but I got sight back. I have the ability. I'm sitting here in this interview, and I can read my notes without my eyes failing on me. And that, to me, is a praise of intercession. I was covered by others' prayer. Wow. That, God is good. <laughs> that That is an amazing story. One other question I wanted to ask was, what would you share with somebody who doesn't really see the value that they have as a person? Instead of getting their own opinion or somebody else's opinion, I challenge them to ask Christ. That's pretty sneaky right there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like what that. Does he have to, what does he have to say about it? Did you ask God? And usually I can get folks to pause and ask, or they'll go and do that as homework, and then I check up on them the next day. I get that. Now that you ask that, yeah, I actually get stuff like that quite often. <laughs> is there, What's God say about that? <laughs> is, is there an Internet resource or maybe a book or something that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? Um, yes. How many you want? Um, FieldUSA.net is the support network that Eddie and I are part of. I would love to throw that out for those that are looking for more. They want to learn more about discipleship. Um, If you need a support network of practitioners, that's a place to go. Another one is uh, It's Time, Inc., I-T-S-T-I-M-E-I-N-C.com. Um, that is actually a program that I am uh, with as a messenger. Uh, it's a woman named Tarika Holmes who helps folks in ministry really focus in their time and their talents to who they're called to. And walking alongside of her and her program has really helped me clarify quite a bit of who I am, who I'm called to, and where I should be spending my time. <laughs> Um, and she's actually coming out with a book this week, and it's called the My I Am Journey Self-Study Course. And that's Tarika Fasciani. I hope I say it right. F-A-C-I-A-N-E. Um, the other one that I would throw at people is The Bondage Breaker and The Strong Man's His Name, What's His Game. Both of those are on spiritual warfare. If you're going into missions, you need that, people's. And uh, the tool that Eddie and I have been using that's actually um, progressed our discipleship is the Discipleship Cycle tool. Once we learned how to do storytelling of stories, um, this has allowed me to bring many more people to Christ quickly. It's actually helped us start many small group churches, and it's also helped us help others do the same thing. Um, so I would love to pass it on if folks just email me. We could just send them the actual item, or they could go actually on to the fieldusa.net, and they can get those the resource there for free. They could download it. I think it's on the front page. Wow, you are loaded for bear today. That's, a, that's an amazing <laughs> amount of resources. For those of you who are listening, if you're trying to keep track of all the stuff that she recommended, you can visit the show notes page. We'll have all of that linked up for you. And the show notes will be at engagingmissions.com slash Renee Rivera. Now, Renee, we are just about done. Would you mind sharing with us maybe one last piece of advice and the best way for someone to connect with you? Then we'll say goodbye. Piece of advice? Check in with Christ first, you guys. <laughs> Check in with Him. Um, and if you're wanting to support a missionary or somebody that's on the field, care for the missionary, not just the people that they work with. That's something that I have valued. Folks, um, just asking where are the needs. And we've had folks that just have bought diapers for families for a short time, folks that have just sent us encouragement notes. Um, So I would just say think of the missionaries that are are dear to your heart and how can you connect even more 
uh, loving on just the missionary, not just who they're called to. And is there, is there a way for people to connect with you? Yes. Um, they can connect with me through a phone number okay. as well as um, the fieldusa.net. They could go there or our office number is 253-642-7799. Uh, email address would be renee at field5.org and that's R-E-N-E-E at F-I-E-L-D, the number 5.org. Well, Renee, thanks so much. This has been an amazing time to spend with you. I really do appreciate it. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Missions show. I mean, a lot of what I learned growing up in, you know, Calvary Chapel and in Horizon and being able to sit under my, my pastor, Bill Goodrich, I just got to watch him serve people. And I got to watch him just meet needs and love people in, in a way that was astounding. I, w- I was so, so blessed to be able to be on staff there for the seven years that I was there. But there's a lot to learn about moving out on your own and doing missions in a place that, you know, you, there's no foundation necessarily. And so I go from working at a church that had 25 years of investment, 25 years of prayer and plowing hard and fruit being reaped and harvest being so on to a place where there was nothing. So here all of a sudden I've got a plow and um, we just had an opportunity to, to really, for my wife and I to pray and to seek the Lord together for a vision of our own, which we hadn't had before. Um, we would kind of we would sit under and 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 submit. Here we are, you know, to serve the youth of this of that particular church. And now as God is moving us on, it's it's like our own vision, you know. And it's we're not necessarily sitting underneath anybody. Um, although I, I serve alongside Brandon Grayson as a pastor of the church that I help you know serve at, and so I sit under him in that way. Um, but then the Lord's brought us down here for for a very specific purpose. Um, and so that, that was something we had to learn. Like, how do I operate and work in a vision of my own? God has entrusted my wife and I with a vision and a burden. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.